As we stand at the precipice, feeling the heat on our faces from the dumpster fire our country has devolved into, sometimes an escape is necessary. And sure, meth will do that for you, but maybe, just maybe, dating horror stories from someone else's romantic fuckery might be better for your health. Surely your dentist would agree. So, laugh, cry, blush from secondhand embarrassment, and revel in a playground of mishaps that just might help you forget. Welcome to The Cultural Experience, Season 1, The Alphabet Chronicles. W is for woman. I don't want to do this anymore. Quiet bliss. As scared as those words made me, it was the first time in our seven years together that I actually meant them. I didn't want to do it anymore. I needed out that night. I moved into the guest room and we never shared a bed together as a couple again. Two months later, I moved across the country to start a new life. It was the right choice for both of us. We met while I was an undergrad. She was this intoxicatingly talented grad student whom I loved being around, equal parts fun and maddening, exactly my type, apparently. We hung out in the same tight-knit friend group, so we were always around one another. Whether it was late nights after rehearsals or parties on the weekends, we could always be found together. The early days of our friendship are ones I'll cherish forever. Oh God, the laughing and foolishness, simultaneously worrying about everything and nothing. Our world was full of possibility at that time. Hmm. I wonder what would have happened to us both if we'd just stayed friends. We lived in the middle of downtown Boston, which gave us you know, limited access to the comforts of suburban living, elements of which we longed for. And one night, our need for suburban frivolity took over. As a treat, a friend drove a group of us out of town just far enough so we could revel in the familiarity of life before. We were stupid college kids, running around and stockpiling things only a big box store could provide when the woman and I found ourselves in the home goods department. As she stood there, instigating a pillow fight, hypnotizing me with that laugh, her hair caught the light just so. Our eyes locked, and we knew something had changed. Recently, our relationship had been growing, intensifying. It was a foreign sensation at that time, something mysterious and all-consuming. I didn't quite know what to make of it. She broke the tension by turning away, and as she reached for the next pillow, I whipped her around and pressed her against the shelves. I stared into her eyes, and our breathing tempted the other as our mouths pulsated, mere thoughts away from making contact. I tempted the palpable tension by gently teasing her gorgeous lips with my tongue. Her breath caught, drenching her eyes in longing. I joined our lips, slowly, firmly placing mine onto hers. They parted instinctually as I guided our tongues to meet. Something was happening. Something that would change the course of the rest of my life. We'd been flirting for months, and I could no longer deny that I wanted to experience her. All of her. I couldn't hold back my need to saturate myself with her in deeply intimate ways. Her kiss told me she needed the same. We'd never explored this, and, well, apparently Target was the perfect location to make my desires known. 
The sight of an innocent suburbanite rounding the corner yanked us back to reality, and we composed ourselves while, you know, feigning interest in an ottoman. The housewife's side-eye we received made me think we hadn't done a convincing job, so we scurried off to find our friends, drunk from our first kiss. They were in cosmetics, coveting bubble bath as none of us had a proper tub. The woman and I entertained them for a minute, quite literally, before herding everyone back to the car and into the city as quickly as possible. We needed to unpack whatever we'd started. Something in the two of us was awake, refusing to be ignored, and its inevitable resurfacing was cubbing whether we were ready for it or not. Our friends couldn't know what we were up to. We weren't ready to to see our reality through the lens of someone else's truth. We had to get back. We tried our best to be discreet, but with our urgency and refusal to keep our hands to ourselves, I'm sure they knew something was up. I was dropped off at my apartment first, then she at hers. She snuck over to my place once everyone was safely out of sight. Being apart for even this short period of time felt like torture, and the first moment we were reunited was pure electricity. When I opened the door, I realized I'd been holding my breath since we left the ottoman, which made everything hazy. Both accosting in the immediacy of life's reality and simultaneously intangible like a dream. Oxygen re-established contact with my brain as I leaned in for a kiss. She tasted raw but sweet. There was something about her mouth that was so foreign and yet so welcoming, dainty yet strong. I couldn't help but explore it. I wanted to satiate myself with her. I remember pulling her clothes off and kneading my hands into her curves. I wanted to consume every one of my senses with her. I'd been turned into a hedonist, and she was the only one who could quench my black hole of desire. I remember how her hair felt in my hands and on my face. It tickled my skin and heightened my senses. I was exploring this foreign land without a map, and I didn't need one. I didn't want one. The clunkiness of our experience was part of what made it so magical. We had sex that night. It was interesting. I was overwhelmed. I mean, the gays taught me vaginas had teeth. They were things to be feared. But that was not my experience. I actually really enjoyed myself. Now, I, I will fully own this was hardly my best work. Up to this point, I had exclusively bottomed. I didn't know what to do with all this, but... Nevertheless, we recklessly rolled around like teenagers until the wee hours of the morning when we finally tired. As we lay there, trying to fall asleep, I couldn't help but wonder how this was going to affect our relationship. Would we still be friends? Could could we still be friends? Would we do this again? I mean, was I straight? The flurry of questions exhausted me. I fell asleep somewhere between the thought of our possible engagement and never speaking to her again. That was the beginning of a beautiful relationship, one that worked perfectly for seven years, until it didn't. Five years passed after our breakup. I was living my life and she hers. Over the years, we kept in touch, and for many of those years, we were quite close. We used to talk almost every day. We were there to lift each other up when the other fell, and there to celebrate life's successes including her engagement. I was thrilled for her, and at the time couldn't wait to meet her soon-to-be husband. She insisted I was invited to the wedding, and I would meet him then. Well, her bachelorette party came, and I had yet to receive an invitation. It was around this time our texts and phone conversations came to an abrupt halt. 
I only knew the wedding happened because of social media. Oh, I was hurt. I wasn't hurt because I was excluded. I, I was hurt because of the way she handled it. I thought we were friends. I understand why she wouldn't want her ex there, but we were close enough to talk about it like adults. I never got a real answer as to why, though a recent trip back gave me a bit of insight. Since she'd stopped speaking to me, uh, I didn't let her know I was planning to be in town. I didn't think it would make much difference to her. But something happened towards the end of my visit. Uh, I drove past our old exit, and memories of our time together came flooding back. Suddenly, I could smell her again. I could taste her lips and feel her touch. I missed her. Even though we hadn't spoken in months, uh, I decided to reach out. I was curious to see if she'd want to get together. Maybe we could work to rebuild our friendship. Maybe we could find a way to forge ahead through all the changes both our lives had seen. So I texted her. Surprisingly, she responded. She happened to have a performance later in the week, and I asked if I would be her guest. Because of our intense musical connection, I thought this would be the perfect setting to rekindle our friendship, and hopefully you know, find a way to move forward. I didn't know this at the time, but the concert would be where I'd meet her peach of a husband. I knew the day would come eventually, and you know, to be honest, I was looking forward to it, expecting something amazing. She is an incredible woman and deserves someone equally as vibrant. But when he showed up to the concert drunk, I, I was hit with a harsh dose of reality. He was a loser. He's a... He's not amazing, <laughs> by any definition, really. Uh, he's a short, stout little muffin man whose self-hatred permeates the air. I felt this immediately, but spent the rest of the evening trying to prove myself wrong. To no avail. The more time I spent with him, the more I realized, well, the poor thing is a sad little hobbit. In fact, henceforth he shall be known as Bilbo. When I first met Bilbo, he was cordial enough, though he seemed a little standoffish, which is, you know, perhaps understandable. I mean, he was meeting his wife's ex for the first time. However, in this situation, he won the girl, and his wife's ex is a big ol' Holmes, so maybe relax a little, my hobbit friend. I mean, it must be hard, though, you know, being that short and squat, always needing to be on your guard. Predators could sneak up on you at any moment. I mean, if he hadn't been seated before the house opened, it's very possible he would have been trampled by the crowds. I should be nice, but, you know, after seeing who he really is, that train has left the station. The concert was lovely, and the woman did an incredible job, her voice more breathtaking than ever before. Her soaring high notes reminded me how easy it was to fall in love with her on stage. There's something about the shimmering silver in her tone that bores through you, into your soul, nesting inside and refusing to let you forget. It imprints, haunting your memory like a ghost who refuses to leave. From her first inhalation, I was transported back to the practice rooms at school, we were working through one of her arias, me coaching her through a phrase. She had asked me for help, but really the act was purely selfish on my part. I was falling in love, blinded by the searing beauty of her voice, and I needed to be close to it. I needed to be consumed by its suffocating elegance in a tiny space where I couldn't escape, where it couldn't escape. That's something she'll never be able to hide from. Regardless of how desperately she runs from herself, she'll never be able to escape the intoxicating vulnerability of her voice. 
I couldn't wait to talk afterwards. Debriefing after a concert would feel just like old times. I finished saying goodbye to everyone I knew, then maneuvered the crowds to ask if she wanted to grab a drink. The friend I was staying with had invited the two of us over for a nightcap, and I thought it would be a lovely way to end the evening. We hadn't gotten a chance to talk much, what with Bilbo lurking around every turn, so this would be a great opportunity to mend fences and start moving forward. In theory. She agreed to a drink and even offered to drive me over, which was great, because I didn't have a car. We reminisced on our walk to the parking lot, with Bilbo following behind. It's possible he parked nearby, I guess. I felt awkward, but I wasn't in a place to rock the boat, so I kept my opinions on his lurking to myself. As the car came into view, Bilbo unlocked it with the key fob and scurried like a frightened little rodent into the driver's seat. Oh, I guess he was coming with? Here's hoping he sobered up a bit. On the drive, Bilbo decided it was time for me to get to know him a little better. He did this by telling me stories from his past. My favorite highlights from the Bilbo Chronicles are as follows. Well, the first time I did meth. You know, I've done butt stuff. She and I have amazing sex. Oh, uh, dear quaint little Bilbo. I should have known he was starting a pissing match with me, but feeling intimidated by him was so far off my radar it didn't even register. The idea of being a threat to him was ridiculous. How was that even possible? By the grace of God, we arrived at my friend's house in one piece. She was waiting with open arms and open bottles, thankfully. I tried to give her a heads-up that Bilbo had invited himself, but judging from the look on her face, she hadn't seen my text. She shot me a what-the-fuck-are-we-going-to-do-with-this look as she ushered us in, I shrugged and tried to appear nonchalant as we took our places around the island in the kitchen. I desperately needed a drink to unwind from our tense car ride. Nothing like hearing about the first time someone did math. The glasses were emptying and refilling faster and faster, relative to the awkwardness all but Bilbo was feeling. Their wedding was a fun topic of conversation, one in which they successfully avoided eye contact and the subject of my invitation. Must have gotten lost in the mail but it was during the recap of the performance we'd just come from, you know, that Bilbo really threw a bucket of piss on the night. You, uh, you look fat. Huh. What an interesting little turd. Flabbergasted by this brash misconception of reality, I lifted the bottom of my shirt to show him how not fat I was, pinching the small layer covering my core that I'd been working so hard to minimize. Fat? <laughs> yeah, mm, I don't think so. His response? To lift his shirt under his chin, exposing his entire belly, and rub it in a way that only hobbits know how. All I could make out through his drunken mumblings was a guttural, um, Yeah, well, nah. I got an inkling this was turning into a war, the importance of which didn't sink in right away, perhaps because he wasn't a threat to me? Uh, unclear. However, his next action caused me to stumble on the battlefield, losing the footing I'd been working so hard to maintain. So, remember how she squeezes your dick when it's inside her? You know, as she goes up and down on it? Wholly inappropriate, Batman. Everything shifted in that moment. I truly didn't know what to do and quickly realized I was balls deep inside a cage match I hadn't RSVP'd to. Um, uh... I think you and I have sex very differently. 
That's all I could say. Which is actually the truth. If I had said no, I didn't remember, I was afraid he would try to explain it in greater detail, and that had to be avoided at all costs. Before I could regain my balance, he hit me with the non-sequitur of the century. Well, you know, when she fucks me... I froze. I'm sorry, what? I don't know how he finished the sentence, because frankly, nothing else mattered. Bilbo gets fucked by the woman. With a strap-on? I asked, through a foggy haze of bewilderment. The woman replied slowly, deliberately, more deeply embarrassed than I'd ever seen her. Yes. Uh, the one we bought together? I whispered out of Bilbo's earshot. She paused, breathing deeply. Yes. I was shook at this point. Shook! What was happening? What sort of fucked up hobbit porn had I wandered into? Abort! The only defense I had was diverting my eyes and begging for more wine. Thankfully, our hostess steered the conversation away from strap-ons, but Bilbo was not ready to let the sex talk go. The ladies began discussing, I don't know, a recent movie release, boring him, as he was more interested in making me the most uncomfortable human on the planet. I mean, I guess that's what he was trying to do. I have no idea. I was much more interested in discussing the movie. Though, when I tried to direct us to that conversation, he refused. So, how big are you? I'm average. Six inches. Stop the world, I want to get off. This was infinitely too much for me. I couldn't engage anymore. Also, I didn't want to crush little Bilbo. He was obviously so sensitive. Hashtag fragile masculinity. Oh, I am not going to answer that. What? Why? I just... Thank goodness the woman swooped in to save his ego. She quickly interrupted this little sideshow act and escorted him out of the room. Earlier it had been decided that no one was driving that night, least of all him to make sure our hostess followed behind and guided them both to the guest room. After Bilbo was tucked in, the ladies joined me in the living room, where I assumed the adults would end the evening in quiet dignity. But apparently there were some things that needed to be discussed. The woman had a look on her face I hadn't seen in years. She was upset about something. But what? Was she unhappy with the way I handled Bilbo? Was she going to apologize for his behavior? For not inviting me to the wedding? I was quiet and let her take the lead. You seem happy with your new life. Uh, I'm so glad. I wish I had made you that happy. She paused with heavy intention, so I stayed quiet. Why didn't I? What happened? What was so awful about what we had? Why did you have to move across the country, leave me here? She wanted to talk about our breakup. The one that happened five years ago? I tried my best to skirt the issue, to bring the conversation back to happier times, but she wouldn't let me. She was laser-focused, and this was all she was willing to discuss. I was helpless as she forged ahead, unwilling to be deterred. I watched as she searched for the same answers she needed years ago. How she still needed to hash this out was beyond me. I thought we moved past this. As her eyes welled with tears, I realized she never processed our breakup. She never fully moved on. I felt so many things in that moment. I, Mostly, I think I felt pain. For her. She must be miserable having harbored these feelings for so long. How had she not processed this? And then the tears started flooding down her face. I realized in that moment she needed me to say I cheated on her. But I hadn't. 
I've been honest about everything that happened for five years now, but it wasn't enough. She needed it to be something it wasn't, but why? Where was this coming from? The tears slowly subsided, and I thought we might be able to make some headway for her, but we were interrupted. You! Bilbo staggered into the room, pointing at her, screaming in all his hobbit glory. You shouldn't be talking to him without me here. We are married! He screeched as he waved his wedding ring over his head. This is what it's about now. You and me! You are married to me! He kept screaming about how disrespectful she was and how horrible it was that we were talking. I quietly turned to her over the din of his screeching. He's manipulating you. She didn't say anything back, just slowly returned her focus to his ranting. I stared at my phone as he raged, anything to distract from what was happening. It was sad. She tried to calm him down, but he refused to be tamed. He turned on me. What are you doing? Um... This is not how I live my life. Uh, I do not engage with people this way. You don't what? You don't talk to people? You don't hash things out? Um, that's not what this is. Fuck you. Fuck you. I'm gonna kick your ass. Uh, I'm gonna kick your ass. Our hostess shot out of her seat and pointedly let him know, No, no you're not. You need to come this way. What the fuck was happening? This was ridiculous. I spat at the woman as everyone escorted the hobbit out of the room, leaving me to pick up the pieces of this Alice in Wonderland acid trip. How did we get here? How did we go from punch-drunk love 12 years ago to an I'm-gonna-kick-your-ass situation? Next thing I knew, I heard the sounds of Bilbo's distant ranting. They were getting into their car and would eventually drive away. That was it. His explosion into my life died out as quickly as its ignition. No closure, no peace, just tears and emotional destruction. Which stage of grief is denial? I think it's towards the beginning, isn't it? I think so, anyways. This repeat conversation from the night we broke up would lead me to believe it's the first one. Is that right? I don't know anymore. Everything about us is broken. My understanding of her, our friendship, any semblance of a relationship, even by the most obtuse definition. The only thing I understand now is that voice. That haunting portal to another world that vibrates on a level of heightened consciousness. It's what I choose to remember from that night. Not the yelling or the tears, the strap-ons or the meth, just the beauty of her voice. I implore memory to play its tricks, to forge every time I've ever heard her sing into a single phrase, one that's repeatedly washing over me while we sit uninterrupted in a practice room from all those years ago. Thank you for listening to The Cultural Experience, Season 1, The Alphabet Chronicles. The podcast that's 100% true, except when it's not. Essays are written by Cole Grissom, inspired by real events. But rest assured, if a character resembles you in any way, I promise you're wrong. If you like what you heard today, 
subscribe, share, tell your friends, your frenemies, your bad dates, your good dates, the guy in the alley you're planning on giving a handy to later tonight. Tell them all. Until next time, friends. <laughs>